from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey guys, Steve here. You are listening to one of our original 26 episodes. If you've listened to any of our new episodes, you're going to notice that we're sounding a little different in these ones. Yeah, there's a reason for that. There is. They've been remastered. They have been remastered. Because they had a really annoying hum. Yeah, I mean, a huge thanks to uh, listener James for doing almost all of the legwork on this yes. thing. Yeah. You'll also notice if you had listened to what we're calling the Lost 26 episodes before, and you're re-listening now, the music and sound effects are gone. Yes, yeah. we've, we've gone back to straight audio. So, be warned, we sound a little different today than we do in what you're about to listen to. Yeah. Enjoy. Uh-huh. Bye. Okay, bye. Thinking Sideways. I don't understand. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Steve. I'm Devin. I'm Joe. And we're going to tell you a strange story. Do you have a strange story for us? I do have a strange story for us. Then tell us. All right. This is the story of the ghost ship. The ghost ship? The ghost ship? The ghost ship. The only ghost ship. The ghost ship. A ghost ship. A ghost ship? Okay. Okay. It's called the ghost ship, but it's a ghost ship. I gotta say, I love ghost ship stories. I I know they are your favorite. You've told them around the campfire a lot. Mm-hmm. They're they're pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, this story begins in 1942. Okay. So the United States was still in the middle of or near the end of though they didn't know it World War II. The country was worried about attacks on the western coast from the Japanese. Sure. So what they decide to do is the country decides or the the Air Force decides that it'd be a great idea is let's get blimps because they can hover in one spot for long periods of time without using a lot of fuel and they can patrol the coast. Watch out for ships and subs and investigate. There's actually talk about bringing the blimp back. I didn't know that. There is, uh, there, there actually is talk about that. Yeah. Well, very cool. Yeah, it has many uses, and they're cheap to keep up in the air. They but, are, and, yeah. and very safe historically. Mm-hmm. Except for like you know the hydrogen, the hydrogen filled ones. Right. Yeah, well, but, there's yeah. that, and what we're going to talk about. So in 1940, the U.S. Navy, I think I said Air Force before, but it was the Navy, mm-hmm. purchased from the Goodyear Company their blimp and named the Ranger. It worked, so they decide we're going to get a couple of more of these. In March, on March 5th, 1942, the L8 was purchased from Goodyear. Sure. And that was the blimp in question. Uh, now, oh, so it's a blimp story. Ghost it's a, it's blimp. not a ghost ship, it's a ghost blimp. It, yes. Okay. Yes, it is, it is a blimp. But they call it the ghost ship. Okay. Yeah, it, is an, it is an airship, after all. Ex- exactly. But I like ghost blimp better. Yeah. Really. Ghost blimp. Ghost blimp. Uh, not only did these blimps do routine patrols up and down the coast, 
They also were involved in some clandestine operations. The L-8 was actually involved in an operation where it left the San Francisco Bay on the 11th of April, 1942, and it was hauling a secret 300-pound cargo, which it took out to sea, and it met the aircraft carrier, the USS Hornet. Today, we know that the cargo actually was parts for the B-25 bombers and that the Hornet initiated the first attack on the islands of Japan, so our first air raids actually on Japan. Those were known as the Doolittle Raids. Okay. So they they played a pretty important part at the time. But we're going to move forward in time from there to August 16, 1942. The L-8 is scheduled to go on a routine patrol to look for submarines. It's supposed to leave Treasure Island, which is in the San Francisco Bay. It's going to head on about a 30-mile trip out to sea, circle around, look around, and come back. The L-8 normally would have a crew of three. In this instance, there was Lieutenant Ernest Cody, Mm -hmm. Ensign Charles Adams, and Machinist Mate 3rd Class James Hill. So we've got three men. They meet the cargo load of this particular blimp. That's the Mexican carrier around its weight limit. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that day it was very foggy. And as we know, when it's foggy, condensation forms on everything. A blimp of that size gets so much water condensation on it that it changed the weight dynamics of the blimp. And they realized Mm -hmm. that it had too much weight. So it, it couldn't take the entire crew. The Navy decides, well, we're going to go ahead and just send it out with two of you, and we're going to leave someone behind. So it turns out that James Hill is the one who's ele- who's chosen to stay behind. Well, lucky for him. Right. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Well, he goes on board, he sets up all the controls, makes sure everything's in line, and then he walks away from the blimp. Now, keep in mind, this crew had been on this blimp Many, many times. So it wasn't as if it was their first run out. Sure. Uh, so at 6.03 a.m. on the 16th of August, 1942, the L-8 takes off from Treasure Island. About an hour and a half into the patrol, which would be 7.42 in the morning or a.m., Cody radios back that he has spotted a potential oil slick and they're going to go investigate. Mm-hmm. That's the last time anybody ever heard from the crew. Now, keep in mind, I'm, I'm specifying here, it's the crew. About 11.15, we're in, day, or in Merced at the beach, California. It's a lovely day. We're all hanging out on the beach. And all of a sudden, the crowds watch a blimp drifting in from the ocean and descending. It descends enough that it hits the cliffs on the beach Whoa. and snags. Snags there, the breeze hits it. I'm not exactly sure. It damages an engine, and somehow the blimp breaks free. Crowds are walking towards it. They want to know what's going on, right up until a depth charge falls off, (laughs) at which point everybody runs away. Sure. Sweet. Okay, well, the depth charge, luckily enough, didn't go off. But the blimp, now lightened load, continues on inland. It eventually comes to rest in the 400 block in Daly City uh, on Bellevue Avenue. Uh-huh. 
The blimp. That in the must process, have been a traffic stopper. Uh, yeah, because in the process, it was a terrible fender bender. In the process of coming <clears throat> down, it hits a house huh. and a couple of cars. Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, not something I would want to have running into my house. No, no probably not. Uh, but Did anybody you... get any cell phone pictures? <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, they, they, they didn't have them on. Oh, the yes. iPhone wasn't around yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do have a quote from that time, and the quote reads as such. It was Mrs. Appleton. She said that all of a sudden, this huge behemoth had settled and scraped across the top of her roof. She said it sounded like chains dragging, but the entire house was blacked out because of the size of this thing. She raced to the front window, wondering what in the world was going on, and she saw the rest of it. The gondola hit the cross arm, broke off part of the mechanism, and then gradually settled to the ground. So this thing scraped across the roof. It was big enough and made quite a lot of noise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The ship comes to rest in the middle of the, the street. And what happens, of course, the envelope with it holds all the gas collapses, collapses oh, yeah. <laughs> and just swamps everything. Can you imagine if like, you know, that thing just lands in your house, you wake up? And it's collapsed over your house. You're looking out the windows. You can't see anything. You know? I mean, you're looking at the clock. Wouldn't that be a little disconcerting? It's 11 o'clock in the morning, but it's pitch black out. This is weird. Uh, Can't see two feet in front of me. Exactly. Yeah. That would be a little odd. So did anybody get trapped underneath this thing when it collapsed? Well, no. No uh, bystanders were trapped. But there were a lot of people who were kind of following it as it was coming down. So as soon as it hit, people were on the scene. Everybody presumed that the crew must be stuck in the gondola, the part that hangs on the bottom that the crew hangs out in Mm -hmm. or works in. And so they rush to their aid. Mm -hmm. They hack and they cut and they saw their way through the envelope, desperately trying to get to the gondola. A gentleman who lived across the street by the name of William Morris, he was a volunteer firefighter, and he went out there and did his everything he could, and he was one of the first people who got through the envelope and got to the gondola. When he got there, he said, and he said it was very strange because, as the quote goes, the doors were open and nobody was in the cabin. Mm-hmm. So the crew was completely gone. Aww. Nowhere near. Nobody knows where they are. They're never found. Mm. The Navy launches a land and sea search. They go everywhere looking for them, but they can't find them. A year later, the Navy declared Cody and Adams officially deceased, mm. and the search officially ended. Huh. So today, I, I assume that they uh, examined this, the envelope or whatever you call it for bolt holes. Well, the problem was that the bystanders who were attempting to help hacked it all up so destroyed much, destroyed it. It was mm-hmm. to the to the point that it was not salvageable. Did they mm-hmm. find any clues in the gondola? Well, they did find some things in the gondola, uh, and and some of this is weird, some of it's odd. Okay, and we will we'll just go ahead and we'll start with the gondola itself. Okay, uh, when the Navy arrived, they inspected it, and they found that. All the parachutes were accounted for. The life belts, which is the equivalent of a life vest, were gone. The life raft was still in place, and the radio was working normally. So everything seemed in order. Most of the fuel was still left in the ship. Uh, The engines were switched on, but they weren't actually working at the time, obviously, because of the crash with the the cliff in Merced. Uh, And there was a briefcase 
in the gondola that still contained the classified files that were kept on on the ship. There were rumors at one point for many years that there was a half-eaten sandwich and a warm cup of coffee still on the console. That's been debunked. That that yeah. actually never happened. But you do come across that when you find this story sure. out there. Now, there are a couple of other things that we know that we found through some research that's been done. Uh, I had talked about earlier there was a dish or a big dent in the middle of the, the envelope. Mm-hmm. What that was from is that at some point, the the blimp began to rise, just essentially straight up, to the point that it got high enough in the atmosphere that the pressure was too great, and it caused a automatic pressure release valve to go off, which mm-hmm. vented a bunch of the gas, therefore reducing its lifting power. Mm-hmm. So as it came back down into the pressure, atmospheric pressure is meant to work under, the bag wasn't as full, so it sank, and that's why there was that giant dip, which explains why, as it was coming inland, it continued to drop and eventually crash into the ground. Okay. Uh, Okay. The only other account that we have of the L-8 during its mission is from two fishing boats that were out that day. And they said they did observe the blimp descending from whatever its normal operation elevation was down to about 300 feet above the sea. Presumably, that's when they were investigating the oil slick that they had radioed back and said they were checking out. Sure. They didn't know if it was a submarine or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, as any smart captain would do, both captains pulled up their nets and turned around and, and tucked tail because the last thing they wanted to do was be in the area if it dropped a depth charge. Sure. It'd be kind of a bad thing. Right. So that's as far as it goes. That's as far as we know all of the facts that are associated with the L-8. And there's mm-hmm. nothing else weird that they discovered? Nope, nothing else. It huh. Crew is gone. <clears throat> Everything that should be in place is pretty much in place. Nothing that they can tell is missing. Nothing out of the ordinary that they can tell has happened. Well, of course, rumors begin. And there's a lot of some crazy, some not so crazy theories out there. As to what could have happened. Okay. I think it's actually quite obvious what happened. It was a gay suicide pact. Ha. Huh. Okay, Joe. Yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're absolutely right. That's a, why That's did, did I spent all this time looking at this story. You, you figured it out. Thank you, man. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it was obvious all along. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. What was I thinking? All right. Here's what the theories are. Okay. We know that the L-8 was out looking for... Japanese submarines. Uh That was their primary mission, was to find submarines to protect the coastline so that the Japanese didn't attack us on our own soil. Sure. Mm -hmm. Or at least in the water on our own soil. Well, some people believe that what must have happened is that when the blimp descended, it did indeed find a Japanese sub and that the crew of the sub overpowered them (laughs) and pulled them out of the... Essentially, I'm guessing this means the gondola is a couple feet off the water, Mm -hmm. right against the water, essentially, and that they overpowered them. That seems unlikely that they would have gotten that low, though, right? That's that's the hard part. That's... And then stuffed them in the the hold and took off. Now there's some cre- now, there's some credence to this, Joe, because if you think uh, about, well, let's say that it's just floating there and there's no crew on the top, one of them might have climbed down the ladder to check it out 
got captured. And then, you know, with a gun to his head, the Japanese said, get down here or we kill your friend. Uh-huh. Except for that, wouldn't they want that classified information that was on the blimp? If they went into the blimp, you would think they would under, they would look for that. Maybe they didn't go into the blimp. But the other problem with that theory is that the radio was working. Well, Don't yeah. you think that the first thing that you would do when you found a sub floating is to call back and say, uh, Oh, yeah. I found a sub. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're not going to believe what I just found. Uh-huh. Nothing like that. Yeah. So we don't. Oil a, slick isn't some Navy code for <clears throat> Japanese sub. Not that I have ever heard. No. Okay. No. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Uh, So let's see. There is theory number two. Theory number two says that it was a love triangle. That these men were involved in a love triangle with a woman that they were both seeing on shore. Uh-huh. Now, here's the hard part about this, or what what doesn't hold water for me on that is that Cody was 27 and Adams was 38. So I would guess that they probably wouldn't likely be chasing the same woman. Maybe they were. It's hard to say. It's entirely possible. It is possible. Were, they, but it, were these two friends, by the way? Uh, yeah, there's no records to say what their relationship to each other was, mm-hmm. other than they were coworkers. Sure. That they served on this ship, and that's all we know that, that I can find. Just, I did go to some uh, Navy sites, looked up a lot of stuff, but that kind of information never seems to have been reported. None of it was recorded anyway. Here's what we have. We have a we have a love triangle. Mm-hmm. These two men are on on the the L8 and a fight breaks out. Mm-hmm. They're Uh-oh. fighting for her love. Oh. They get into a fist fight. One thing leads to another. They accidentally fall into the door of the gondola and they both fall out to their deaths at sea. Surely there's From- some safety mechanism there though. Uh, well, you know, it's, think. it's funny, but the gondola, the walls of the gondola are, mm-hmm. s- the metal is six millimeters thick. It's uh, extremely thin. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, it had to be thin to be light. Yeah. Sure. I've also, when I was doing my research on this, came across reports from, uh, air or Navy men who had been in that or similar gondolas who had mentioned that they were extremely flimsy. Huh. Mm-hmm. So it did have a bar to lock the door, but presumably if the whole thing is made to be as light as possible, 
it's conceivable that somebody slamming into it could just pop the whole thing open. That's maybe. true. Yeah. Okay. So there is some possibility. But was the uh, you know maybe maybe the the bystanders who opened it up don't remember. Was the door already open when they finally got to the gondola, or was According it closed? According to Morris, who was the first one to get through to the gondola, uh-huh. he said the door was wide open. Uh huh. Mm. We don't know. Did it get popped open when it ran into the cliff? Yeah. Yeah. Was it open ahead of time? There's there's not a lot to yeah. support it. Again, this, the details on this one are, are one of those weird military items where things have been held back, mm. not necessarily reported, so it's it's hard to get all those details. Sure. You would, yeah, yeah, you would think that they could ask some of the witnesses on the from the beach and, and et cetera. True. You know, but then again, you know as well as I do that witness statements tend to be fraught with errors and oh, yeah. con- they, they they conflict constantly so, yeah, so it does it it's hard to say but unfortunately this was 70 plus years ago not mm-hmm. likely to find many of those folks around sure, anymore that sure. are going to tell you uh but there is one final theory okay and this is a theory that personally i hold i think is uh is probably the good one and it's the bermuda triangle no, the last one is that it may have been a complete freak accident that claimed both of their lives. When the gondola was found, like I said, the door latch was open and the door was open, which obviously enough is not the way that it should happen when it's in flight. Sure. Mm. Uh, there, they do say there's a safety bar, but again, I have a feeling that that safety bar is probably pretty minimal and flimsy, especially considering in 1942 we weren't really worried about safety as much as we are now. Sure, mm, so it's true. not some but... double latch system. It's probably just a door bolt, mm-hmm. a door handle with a bolt in it. Well, still, these guys have been working in this thing for a long time. They probably know better than to go, you know, smashing into the door. That's very true. You know, but here's where. What I think has probably happened starts to gain some some footing. There was a microphone plugged in inside the cockpit, and that microphone uh, it goes to a loudspeaker. That loudspeaker was dangling outside of the gondola, so it was outside. So what people are thinking might have happened is that there was something mechanically that went wrong, how you know, partway through their journey, two hours into the trip. And one of the men decided that he would try and go out and fix it. Mm-hmm. Ran into trouble. So the, the so crewman number one is outside. Crewman number two is inside using the loudspeakers. Obviously, you're moving along and it's windy. It's loud. So you got to use the loudspeaker to be heard. And that what he was doing was talking to his, co- his, his compatriot, mm-hmm. at which point he ran into trouble, so crewman number one outside slips or gets snagged or something happens, and crewman number two decides that the best thing to do is to go out and try and help him. Uh-huh. At which point, they both oh. lose their grip, yeah. and they both fall to oh. the sea. Yeah. Well, but why wouldn't they have radioed back that there was a problem? That's the hard part. Right. Now, have, do you either of you, have you ever known folks that were in the military? Oh, yes. Yeah. What uh what is the one thing you never tell your boss in the military? <laughs> What's that? Something went wrong. Yeah. Something's broken. That's yeah. true. Hey chief, this is not okay. They don't like to hear that. Uh, true. And 
it, the bravado says, you know, male bravado says, I can fix this. I'll sure. fix it now. Sure. Which may very well have been the wrong thing to do, and it may have been what claimed their lives. Uh-huh. But we don't know. Nothing exists. No bodies were ever found. If they fell to their deaths at sea, you know what it's like when ships go down out of however, you know, a small fraction are ever found. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what ever happened. Yeah, it's funny. You would think they would have found their bodies because if they were wearing their life belts, that would have, that would have kept their bodies afloat. They eventually would have washed up to shore. You would Without, think. Yeah. Unless the aliens got them. Yeah, it could be. Could or, the it. or the sharks. Or the sharks. Sharks. It is yeah. off of California. Yeah. There are yeah that's a lot good of sharks. Point. That's a good point. A lot of mean big tooth fish. Yeah. yeah. I'm uh, uh, I'm leaning towards the theory that they were actually on board when it landed, and they just crawled away into the into the collapsed envelope to, because they probably screwed up in some major way, uh, and they knew they were going to be in like you know big trouble when they got back, and so they decided, well, you know what, let's just sneak off and go change our names and move to another state. You so, know? so <laughs> what you think it happened is that yeah. they're both sitting there reading Time, not paying attention as they're cruising back let's to the be shore. Fair, Playboy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it would have been Playboy. Uh, well, is Playboy around? Right no, it was not around yet, I don't think. It would have been some skin mag. Yeah. Some skin mag, and they're not paying attention, and they run into the cliff, at which point go, uh-oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> we got to get out of here, dude. Yeah. I don't know what to do. Let's let's run away to Mexico. Maybe they bailed on the cliff. They released the depth charge, and uh, while well, that was a distraction, they, like, bailed out on the cliff. Mm-hmm. That's it would actually a plausible make, scenario, and that's or, why know, it actually, got its lift. If they didn't, if they didn't bail on the cliff, you know, because the, the, the depth charge, I would think, wouldn't just pop out easily. But they're saying, like, like, hey, we're snagged on this. We got to get some lift. Drop a depth charge. <laughs> Drop a depth charge. <laughs> that's a good point. And yeah, that and that'll get us unsnagged from this thing. Yeah, yeah. but I, I hadn't uh, thought about it. I, the way everything. Now, I'm glad you bring that up because I was reading it and thinking that what it meant was the impact. The Force of the impact broke it loose, but it's possible. But, but your theory is just as plausible. Entirely, yeah. Let, we need we need we need some lift. Let's get rid of some weight. Throw uh-huh. everything overboard. Yeah, uh-huh. it's like that. Uh, what is it? The old hot air balloon cartoon in yeah. cartoons. Oh, you know, yeah. throw everything overboard as fast as you can. Yep, including mm-hmm. the guy you don't like. Yeah, very well uh, could have happened. Yeah, yeah. it could be. You know, it could be this too. Maybe, perhaps, one of them murdered the other one out of sea, pushed his body out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after waiting it down a little bit or something like that. And then comes, and then, and then he's plotted this out. He's going to come, he's going to come back. He's going to bring it in really low, right over the beach. So there'll be lots of witnesses that this thing is just adrift mm-hmm. and everything. But he screws up, hooks up the hooks on the clip, has to drop a depth charge to, to get lift and then continues on, uh, continues on to, to his landing. And then when the whole thing collapses, he crawls away underneath the, the collapsed envelope. Huh. Yeah. Again. Although, ostensibly, he would have been in a uniform. Oh, yeah. It's the only drawback. He could have taken his, his shirt off. So, we, you know, yeah, everybody yeah, I mean, wears, when you wear a dress shirt, yeah, you're some I kind of shirt. You've true. always got a T-shirt of some kind on yeah. underneath. Yeah. And he also, could have slipped away. And also, if he if he planned it out in advance, which he may have done, he could have brought along some extra clothes. Yeah. There so, is that. Yeah. I think we've solved it. Yeah, we've solved so. it. I think so. Yeah. You want to know the weird other twisted bit of history up with this story? Yeah, yes. What's that? So the L8 was purchased, as I said in the beginning, from the Goodyear uh, Corporation. Uh-huh. Yeah. When the Navy stopped using uh, blimps, mm-hmm. they sold it back to Goodyear. Uh-huh. With a lot of patches on it, I assume. <laughs> yeah, with a bunch of patches on it. Right. Uh, and the, this particular blimp 
was the Goodyear blimp that was used at football games from 1968 to 1982. Wow. It was uh, the same gondola. Same gondola. So the same gondola that was recording all those football games that we always saw in the commercials. If you're old enough to remember watching those commercials, that was the gondola that was involved in this crash. Wow. Wow, that's cool. Today, that gondola, obviously, it's got, it stopped being used in 82. It's now in, I believe it's a Goodyear museum. They still keep it. And they still have it. So it is still mm. around. Obviously, probably repaired and repainted several times from sure. what happened in 42. But. Probably. But. But, but ladies and gentlemen, don't go don't go breaking in and trying to hop onto it and, and go looking for clues because they're, they're long gone. Yeah, yeah. Long they've been gone. painted over. Okay. Anyway, we solved the mystery anyway. We so solved the, the mystery. That and that's it. We've got it. Yeah. All right. Well, if uh, if you want to go ahead and read up on this story and take a look at what we use for the research on this, you can always just go ahead to our website, which is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com, and you can find all research links right there. If you like letting us know you've got thoughts on it, you could always go ahead. If you've got another theory or you think we've missed a piece of information, Go ahead and send us an email. Email is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. And with that, we're going to take off, and we'll talk to you next week with another bit of weirdness. So long, everybody. Unless, you know, we crash a blimp. Oh, yeah. Mm. Let's not do that. Okay. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 